0: From the KBIA Newsroom in Columbia, I'm Ryan from Uliner. This is part two of our special series, Missouri at a Crossroads. Yesterday, you heard about the complicated racial history of the University of Missouri, including the events that eventually led to the resignation of former University of Missouri System President Tim Wolfe. You heard Marshall Allen, a member of Concerned Student 1950, explain why the group targeted Wolfe.
1: Because we knew that we had to make a head change, and we figured that getting him out or making sure that we got him to resign was one of the first steps in making sure that we had change. Because if, if, if the change starts at the top, then the bottom has to follow.
0: Today, we're talking about how Wolf became the focal point of those protests from the perspective of the people who hired him and with the people that will ultimately hire his replacement. Christopher Husted and Bram Sable-Smith report. I'm Bram
1: Sable-Smith. Most timelines of the events that led to the November 9th resignation of former UM System President Tim Wolfe start here, at the 2015 Homecoming Parade, when the group Concerned Student 1950 stopped Wolfe's car and recited a history of racism in Missouri and on the Mizzou campus. (laughs) Wolf received criticism for not speaking with the students, and many believe that perceived slight made him a target. It came to a head during MU's homecoming parade. Students are concerned about the U.M. president's perceived passive attitude on racism.
2: Today, one of those students began a hunger strike and says he'll continue until President Tim Wolf is no longer in office.
1: The pressure continued to mount.
2: Did you just blame
0: us for systematic oppression, Tim
3: Wolf?
4: Until finally... Good morning. Uh, Thank you for coming today. Uh, I am resigning as president of the University of Missouri system today.
1: But to understand how Tim Wolfe, the president of the entire university system, ended up with his head in the guillotine, we have to take a look
5: back much earlier to when he was hired. I'm Christopher Husted. We spoke to seven of the curators who played some role in the hiring process of Tim Wolfe, in the beginning, the end, or all the way through. From those conversations, a few common themes emerged. The first, it is impossible to talk about Tim Wolfe's hiring without first mentioning his predecessor,
0: Gary Forsey. The feedback that the curators received from the four campuses was, see if you can find somebody just like Gary Forsey, because we really like him, and we really like his background.
1: That's former curator Craig Van Maitry. Gary Forsey's background came up a lot in our conversations, and it came up because it was so unusual at the time.
2: He was not your prototype of what historically had been viewed as a president of a university system.
1: Don Downing is another former curator.
2: Gary came from a business background.
1: Before Gary Forsey became president of the university system, he was president and CEO of Sprint Nextel. Before that, he worked for Bell South, a telecommunications corporation, and for Singular Wireless, and for Global One, and for AT&T. In short, while he had a lot of experience, none of it was in higher education. And back in 2007, hiring a business person to run an academic institution was not as common of a practice.
5: But some of the most pressing matters facing the university at the time of Forsey's tenure were not inherently academic, especially one, state funding. Beginning in about 2002, state appropriations for the University of Missouri system began to dip.
2: We saw state funding for the University of Missouri system decline from $498 million in 2010 to $438 million in 2011 to $398 million in 2012, which is a decline of over 100, about $100 million in a three-year period.
1: Between 2001 and 2012 on just the Columbia campus, student enrollment grew by 45%. But in that same time period, state funding to the university dropped by 14%, from $193 million down to $166 million.
5: There are only a few ways to make up that difference in funding. Tuition is one of them. Here's David Wassinger, a curator when 4C was hired.
6: Tuition has gone up too high. And we wanted, or at least I wanted, someone to monitor and make the university more efficient Uh, A lot of the administrators and some of the faculty, you know, they have an insatiable appetite for spending.
1: To the curators at the time, Gary Forsey's business background made him sort of an ideal fit for the tough financial times facing the university system. Not everyone saw his hire in the same light, though, including Gary Ebersole, a University of Missouri-Kansas City professor and member of the UM System Intercampus Faculty Council.
4: The hiring of Gary Forsey was mm, a kind of out-of-the-box moved by the uh, board of trustees who decided that they wanted a businessman. Faculty were not really involved in the search itself and not enthused by the idea of a businessman.
5: Forsey's tenure was not without its hiccups, but over time he seemed to win over many stakeholders, including the faculty. Even Ebersol agreed the arrangement seemed to work out. But then in January 2011, less than three years into his
1: tenure, Forsey resigned following his wife's cancer diagnosis. And Don Downing says the perceived success of Forsey's tenure opened the field of possibilities in the search for his successor.
5: Actually, it may have been more than that. Although every curator we spoke to said they considered all types of candidates, by most accounts, given the continued financial constraints on the university system, most curators thought it made sense to replace Forsey with another person with a business background. Here's former curator Craig Van Maitre.
0: His background is more important in selecting a successor as a model for that than finding somebody who came up through academia. because the primary functions of the president are of a business and political nature. Don Downing.
2: I think the board was comfortable at the time that uh, as long as the chancellors of each of the campuses had an academic background and obviously had the respect of the faculty on their campuses, the president of the system, first and foremost, needed to be a manager of of scarce resources.
5: David Wassinger.
2: It is a very, very large enterprise
6: and the board thought the most appropriate person to run an enterprise like that would be someone that had business experience
7: the goal was to
6: get a strong leader with business acumen business person at the system level business someone with good business sense strong business background business person so we're looking for somebody with a business background
1: The curators had a clear picture of the type of person they wanted for president, someone who would continue down the path Forsey had started. But outside the board, not every stakeholder shared in that same opinion, especially the faculty, including Gary Ebersole.
4: I have to say that uh, what the faculty were looking for was considered irrelevant by the uh, board of curators, especially the chair at the time, who decided they wanted somebody just like Gary Forsey And uh, the faculty, there was a faculty committee that uh, was established as advisory to the board, but from all reports from my faculty and other faculty in the system, uh, that committee never met, never was asked for its advice.
5: And by this time, this type of hire with a business background seemed to be becoming popular nationally. It definitely seems to be more
1: common that trustees are looking for a president with a business-type background.
5: Michael Bastido is a professor at the University of Michigan, specializing in higher education.
1: By nature, they see business people and politicians as leaders. And so, you know, they have a natural
5: inclination and their own networks are connected to people in those spheres when they start thinking about leadership positions.
1: But just because curators decide they're looking for someone with a business or political background to run an academic institution doesn't make it an easy task to accomplish. Here's David Wassinger.
6: It is very difficult to attract a business person from the private sector to take that position as president of the University of Missouri.
5: The board hired Florida-based search firm Greenwood Asher & Associates to track down a pool of candidates to replace 4C. But by most accounts, the board wasn't satisfied with the names they saw on the list. So, the board also recruited candidates through other lines, like the Business School Alumni Network, which is how Tim Wolf's name came to the applicant pool. David Bradley was a curator at the time.
8: He was not looking for a job at the time. He had just gone through a long period had built up a, a, a large international company. So we had to do some things to attract him to get into this type of a and this type of business which is you know, which was not something he had, had back had a background in, but we thought he could do a great job.
1: The curators courted Wolf, trying to entice him to come back to his alma mater. And almost every curator we spoke with said Tim is just a really good guy. Here's Craig Maitre. Tim Wolf
0: is an outstanding individual. I mean, he has a very good personality. He is a good speaker. He is intelligent and quick, but he's not, he doesn't have the kind of personality characteristics that are off-putting. Former curator
5: Wayne Good. We were impressed with
7: what he had done. We were impressed with his demeanor.
1: And here's Warren Erdman, who was chair of the Board of Curators during the hiring process.
8: He had all of those attributes, plus he had the business acumen that you want in a CEO who can lead a large institution. He grew up in an academic family. He had strong appreciation for the academic traditions of the University of Missouri. He attended the University of Missouri, was a graduate of the University of Missouri and uh, an alumnus
5: of the University of Missouri. Wolf got the job, and things started out okay. He was a good old boy who graduated from Mizzou. When the university came under scrutiny for the shortcomings related to Title IX issues, they were addressed quickly, and...
2: Also, Tim hired Hank Foley uh, from Penn State, and, and during Hank's time at Penn State, he was one of the leaders in the country at... Obtaining federal grants for research and development, and so Hank made some strides uh, at our at our at our school as well at our university. Uh, as you probably know, Hank is now the chancellor of the campus.
1: But the tide began to shift after a few unpopular decisions and a lack of response to major issues, which would incite the anger of not just faculty and students but legislators and the general public.
6: I know, and like Tim Wolf, I think he's a good person. Uh, Tim probably could have gotten out in front of some issues better than he did.
1: University of Missouri, Kansas City professor Gary Ebersole says Wolf's first misstep was in 2012, deciding to close the university-operated publishing house, the University of Missouri Press.
4: He came into the office looks over budgets, and sees that the university press was in the red. And so he very quickly said, well, we're not going to keep a university press that's in the red without understanding that there is not a single university press in the country that makes money. In other words, universities subsidize the presses because it's an absolutely essential part of the investment in education, that knowledge be distributed and disseminated to the world, really.
5: It wasn't a bad decision from an economic perspective, but it was missing a certain nuance and deliberation that comes with decision making in the academic world. Shuttering the Missouri Press would have impacted publishers across the country. And Don Downing says Wolf became aware of that.
2: There are certain things in the academic world that are different than in the business world. So, yeah, I, I think Tim would be the first to say that he, didn't, that he made some mistakes and, and learned from those.
1: Ultimately, Wolf reversed this decision. But critics point to other decisions, too, like the expansion of sports facilities and over-attentiveness to large donors at the expense of academic affairs, the institution's
5: bread and butter. But to many of the curators, Wolf's biggest misstep may have been the hiring of Arbo and Lofton as chancellor of the flagship campus in 2013. Here's Wayne Good.
7: That hire of Bowen and his performance is one of the most disappointing experiences that uh, I've been part of.
1: Lofton, who previously was president at Texas A&M University, says he was hired by Wolf to shake things up.
5: The uh, curators uh, and President Wolf uh, you know, both told me I was to be a, an agent of change. Lofton moved swiftly as chancellor. He held the position for not even two years, but in that time, he rocked the Columbia campus boat. Under Lofton, 110 faculty and 13 administrators
1: accepted early retirement, reportedly saving the university millions.
5: That's an extraordinary thing to to make, to free up the resources required to renew our faculty in a very short period of time. That's a very rare thing for a campus to be able to do. So I'm, I'm very proud this university is able to do that. But last year, when student aid and benefits ended up on the chopping block, things got sloppy. The university announced it would cut graduate student tuition waivers in half, then reverse the decision. Another snafu, health insurance subsidies for graduate students were dropped with only a one-day heads-up, a decision that Lofton himself reversed. The damage was done, though. Large student demonstrations popped up on campus in response to these missteps, with many faculty backing them. Here's Wayne Good
7: would grab these situations and go through a process without including a whole lot of people, maybe no no one else,
1: and making decisions. And I didn't see that coming. And there were other high-profile decisions the vice chancellor for health affairs position, revoking hospital privileges for a Planned Parenthood doctor. Some even attributed the resignation of the dean of the med school to Lofton.
7: On these three or four problems that he had, medical school, the uh, Planned Parenthood, uh, the others, he just went in and made decisions that he didn't discuss with, with others. And you can't run a, a campus uh, that way.
5: All of these decisions drew backlash from students, from faculty, even administrators, and most of it was directed at Lofton. But Lofton says in every case, he was consulting with Tim Wolf. Every major decision I made was, was discussed with him before I made it. So we had a very, very strong initiative, I thought. Uh, at, back in August of last year, I had my second annual evaluation, uh, September sent me a letter uh, giving me praise for my, my work and uh, also uh, uh, indicating uh, financial rewards along with that.
1: Tim Wolf did not respond to our multiple requests for an interview, but in a now infamous email published first in the Columbia Daily Tribune in January, Wolf alluded to those decisions made by Lofton, adding that all of the deans of the Missouri campus had called for Lofton's ouster, and that Wolf himself had requested support from the board of curators to fire Lofton. Here's David Bradley.
8: And I'll, I'll take some responsibility as a curator. All of the, all of the, uh, all of the curators, you know, uh, approved it, and uh, approved it and Lofton on Tim's recommendation.
5: And this was the environment even before Wolf's confrontation with concerned student 1950 at homecoming. Tension, not just about race, but about university funding, top-down decision-making, all of it part of the struggle to move the university forward into the realities of the 21st century. Anger and tension brewed in the University of Missouri system.
1: Many students were upset that administrators didn't respond strongly when the student body president was
5: called the N-word off campus in September. Then, on October 5th, students in the Legion of Black Collegians were called the N-word on campus. Lofton came out strongly, releasing a video condemning the incident. It's enough. Let's stop this. Let's end hatred and racism at Mizzou. Emotions boiled over.
1: It was just a few days later that concerned student 1950 stopped Tim Wolfe's car at homecoming.
5: The group issued a list of demands, as Wolfe was slow to acknowledge the racial issues, even after the homecoming demonstration. One of the demands was for Wolfe to be removed as president. Jonathan Butler began a hunger strike, saying it would only end when Wolfe was out as president. The football team backed the protesters, boycotting practice and games until Butler could eat again, until Wolfe was gone. Grad students joined in, faculty came out in support.
1: November 9th, the university system had reached its breaking point.
0: Just minutes into this morning's Board of Curators meeting, UM System President Tim Wolfe approached the podium and immediately
4: announced his resignation. So, good morning. Uh, thank you for coming today. Uh, I am resigning as president of the University of Missouri system today.
5: The protesters were ecstatic. But as Craig Van Matry explains, the people who hired Wolf
0: were not. And then when Wolf did the only thing he could do and and resigned, then they had this symbolic head on this symbolic stick, and not one thing of any practical value came out of it from there on. Very disappointing, very disappointing, all the way around.
1: For many of the curators who hired Wolf, the issue of racism on the Mizzou campus was exactly that. Here's David Bradley.
8: To me, that was a campus-level issue. should have been handled at the campus level. And when it wasn't handled at the campus level, I thought it was unfortunate that, that Tim fell on a sword for, for this issue.
5: And when good.
8: I, for one, wish he wouldn't have
7: resigned. I talked to him about it at the time.
8: Warren Erdman. I'm very sorry that that happened, uh, but it doesn't change the fact that Tim Wolfe was an excellent leader for the University of Missouri system during his presidency.
5: David Wassinger.
6: And right now we've got to still have the remnants of, you know, a head football coach and some self-described radicals that have run, you know, or the perception is that they have been running the University of Missouri. You cannot have that.
1: In his confidential letter to friends that was later made public, Wolf said he was concerned about campus safety and the escalation of protests turning into something historically embarrassing for the University of Missouri. Craig Van Matry agreed.
0: Did Wolf do the right thing by tendering his resignation? Absolutely. Had he not, I don't think the curators ever would have fired him. Matter of fact, if, <laughs> if it were possible, which I don't know if it is or not, I wish... I wish he'd reapply for the job so that we could rehire him. It'd be a, make a lot more sense to rehire him than to spend the thousands and thousands of dollars and thousands and thousands of hours it's going to take to find his replacement.
1: For clarity, our interviews with former curators happened before Wolf's confidential email was published.
5: Much like the decisions that rattled the Columbia campus in the past couple of years,
1: graduate student health subsidies, refer and follow privileges for the Planned Parenthood doctor, the med school
5: dean, the resignations of Wolfe and Lofton happened rapidly as well. The issue that escalated the unrest to a climax, which the board finally had to acknowledge, was the perceived
1: indifference to racism on campus and the lack of action to combat it. The fallout from that happened just as quickly.
8: When we're in national headline coverage, um, we're getting emails and calls, um, a lot of confusion, uh, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration expressed.
5: Tom Hiles, the Vice Chancellor for Advancement, fielded a lot of concerns from alumni about the unrest. He reached out to Rod Kirsch, the Senior Vice President for Development and Alumni Relations at Penn State, who was on staff during the Jerry Sandusky debacle. That should tell you something about the magnitude and pace of the crisis. He was flown out to Columbia for a day. A crisis consultant was
1: also brought into the system for a week. The Marketing and Communication Department headed by Interim Vice Chancellor Jennifer Hollingshead put out a 10-point State of Mizzou article seemingly meant to
5: salvage the school's image. Then, university system officials, including Hiles and Hollingshead, held a conference call with Missouri alumni who were in the communications industry to hear their thoughts on the State of Mizzou article, a TV spot, editorials to newspapers, and the State of the University Address. 1977 alum Ty Christian, who is black, was on
9: the call. He says the alumni input seemed to fall on deaf ears. The first question we all asked in 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 our own way was, wow, okay, I guess not bad, but did you do any research? Did you talk to the key stakeholders and you find out their perspective, their insight, and how they felt? And, and of course, the answer sort of kind of came back, no, we haven't done it. This is this is how we, this is what we think should go out. And I would say, you know, without, (laughs) without hesitation, you could hear the silence on the phone because all the people that are in, in this profession who do it daily know that you don't create any piece or material without talking to your key stakeholders and, and taking their temperature. When Christian says stakeholders, he means alumni, students, donors,
5: prospective students, and parents. He says the literature put out by the Marketing and Communications Department comes across as defensive, with sections titled, It's Not Just Mizzou. We support civil
9: liberties, and personnel matters are private. He says it's a PR piece quickly churned out. If I'm a paying customer, enough is enough. And if I tell you, listen, I'm not very happy with your service, you need to do something about it.
3: The university business uh, administrators, business-type administrators, view the students as customers.
5: Sarah Goldrick-Rab is a professor of educational policy studies at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She says students have increasingly been viewed as consumers, hence why we are seeing more business managers as candidates to run schools.
3: Students are very much not consumers in the classic sense. They are not purchasing something that is discreet and could be sort of bought and sold in an easy fashion. It means different things to different people, what education is. And it would kind of be like buying love, <laughs> buying and selling love. It is, it is not a tangible product, and it, again, comes about in different ways for different people and means different things. But we all know that it's valuable.
1: On the flip side, students are starting to understand how they fit into the business education model, suggesting, hey, you can play that game.
3: This means that this group of students is more likely to question the system, to ask why things are happening, to object to the conditions of their lives. And so I think that the fact is that we have seen increases in enrollment among people whose parents didn't go to college, among people from racial and ethnic minority groups, and from people from low-income families. And it's quite possible that adding them to the dynamic of the college campus helps to generate this change that we're seeing today.
5: This is a big issue to consider when the latest board of curators start the hiring process for Wolf's replacement. The curators have to answer, how do you balance the economic needs of a university system with the academic and development needs of its students? Current tier of the board, Pamela Henriksen.
0: That's an interesting question and one that I hadn't really considered until some of these things arose this last fall. Clearly, it's a brave new world. And um, President Middleton has brought to the fore how different the students' experiences on campus today, wherever, all over the country are from those that we experienced when we went through college and even from what my children experienced when they went through college. So we need to be more attuned to that and and to the way that the students see the world, which is different from the way we see it.
1: So far the curators have talked openly about considering academic candidates and they've also added student and faculty voting positions to the hiring
5: committee. But there is clearly a race issue that the university president will need to address that a business leader may not be as equipped for.
1: Ultimately, the U.M. system clearly has management problems, an image problem with its stakeholders, including state legislators,
5: and an inclusivity problem with its students on campus. Indeed, the State of the University Address, which was meant to be a shift to refocus on more positive points of pride for the school, was overshadowed. Tom Hiles.
8: Unfortunately, as you know, on... The week of that State of the University address, uh, you know, on Monday, Melissa clicked, um She was charged with misdemeanor assault. Maddie Malk got kicked off the football team, and then Tim Wolf's email came out. That was a little challenging on a week we were trying to pivot.
1: And whoever is hired as president is going to have to spearhead the racial and social issues the campus
9: has been dealing with. Again, Ty Christian. The University of Missouri, like most institutions, always had you know, obviously racial tension, uh, racial distress, but for the most part, nobody talked about it. If you were a kid of color who went to the University of Missouri, you sort of tolerated it just to get your degree, and you got out of there and you went back to your given city or your given hometown and uh, moved on with your career. Christian says
5: this is a pivotal time for the school to respond, not hastily, but powerfully. This is a
9: moment for... uh, to be uh, courageous and by being courageous bold and innovative without hesitation we will be a leading university and a thought leader where people will be coming to us and say hey listen how did you overcome those those issues you had because not only did you rebound from them but you're bigger and better and bolder uh, than you were before.
1: I'm Christopher Husted, And I'm Bram Sable-Smith. Coming up in part three of our series, we look at how the Columbia campus plans to address many of the issues brought to the forefront last semester. And we'll discuss what is even achievable when it comes to addressing issues of race.
0: How much can we change?
3: Tremendous. (laughs) We all can. We all can. Um, There is room for change on every level, from administration to students to faculty to staff.
5: Tune in tomorrow at 6 p.m. for the third and final piece of the series, Mizzou at a Crossroads, on KBIA. And visit KBIA.org to find this story and part one.